Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Well, folks, we made it. Here we are, episode one. So this should be the uh, first content-related episode here. I know the last time was more of just a real high-level intro, but uh, now what I'm going to do is kind of dive in a little bit more on on me, and hopefully this will be the only kind of egocentric episode that I ever do here. But, I, you know, I think it's important to have... Uh, a little bit of background so that you guys kind of know who you're listening to and, and uh, have an idea of kind of my experience and exposure. But definitely have a full uh, full schedule today, and you know, we'll just jump right in. Uh, one thing I will tell you before we go too far, I think later on I'm going to mention a couple of pieces, parts to a hive, just as part of a quick story. Don't worry if you don't know what they are. We're going to cover that in detail next time around, next episode. So fret not. Uh, so jumping in here. So my name is Jeff and I am in the Tidewater region of Virginia. So this would be like uh, Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, Portsmouth, Norfolk, Hampton, kind of down in, in uh, southeast Virginia. Uh, one thing I will say based on my time down here is that the, the forage for bees is not that great, but that's a whole separate subject. I'm married. I have three daughters. My oldest uh, did some beekeeping years ago with me. She... Uh, she got stung, I think it was around year two. Did not quite have a anaphylactic reaction, but definitely a, a hyper reaction or response. So I think if I got into a bind and I really needed some help, she would suit up and give me a hand. But she's kind of been out of beekeeping for a few years. It was a shame because she was really great at finding queens. So when you do an inspection of the hive, it's always good to track down the queen and just take a look at her. Uh, put your eyes on her. So uh, my daughter was really good at that, but um, but she's out. My uh, my middle daughter does not want anything to do with beekeeping unless it is in a business capacity. So if we if we were at a farmer's market trying to sell honey, um, she'd be all over it. She would sell market, you know that kind of stuff. But she is just does not have any desire to be doing the hands on day to day bee work. My youngest is Phoebe. I call her my Phoebe keeper. And she has been keeping bees now with me for, I would say, close to three or four years. And she is, again, she's, you know, she's pretty active. I mean, she's, you know, at that age where she's got her personal life and things going on, and I get that. But, uh, but it's always good to have her around, and uh, she will be guest starring or doing a guest appearance with us next week. So we got a little, little Q&A with her, so that'll be fun. 
Uh, so uh, I will go into, and I apologize. I'm, I'm going to cough a couple of times here. I did that thing where you kind of swallow wrong when you take a drink like about two hours ago, and it's just been messing with me. So I apologize. So here's kind of my story. So I have a, a good friend of mine. Um, he's a guy I actually went to work for a company in, uh, in 2008, and he was my supervisor. And, and, you know, we got along fine, had a good business relationship. And over the years, we became buddies, and it was probably around 2010 time frame. He, uh, I think we were having lunch or something. He says, uh, hey, you ever think about keeping bees? And I said, nope. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm going to get some beehives. And I said, that's great. Good luck with that. And he goes, yeah, you definitely need to get some beehives. Now, I don't remember my exact response to him, but definitely trying to keep this channel at like a G or a PG. I'm definitely not going to repeat what I said, but I'm pretty sure that I, I you know, basically told him under you know, no uncertain terms there that it just was not going to happen. So he went on and he, he got a couple of hives and pursued that and, and did that for a couple of years and had some fun with it. Well, it was probably... I think it was early 2011 and he had gone to work for another company and, you know, he and I were talking, he said, man, these guys got some, some good things going on. You might want to, you might want to look at making a move. And I was already thinking about leaving the company I was with at the time anyway. So Paul says, yeah, you know, come on over here and talk to this guy. So I interviewed, went over, started working with them. And probably a month later, I'm sitting down with my, my teammate and these two other people he knew from from his previous company, we're having lunch and we're talking uh, talking about you know the, I was in technology, so you know we're talking tech and we're talking about you know what our companies are doing and and you know just just kind of just a regular small talk lunch kind of thing. So of the four people who were at this lunch, I was the oddball out because three of them were beekeepers. And they start talking about, oh, yeah, you know, I've got this many hives and this is going on. Oh, what's going on with yours? And, and they're going back and forth for, for probably 20 minutes just talking about what was, you know, what was going on in their, their hives, you know, what they were doing. And I thought, geez, I'm, I'm missing out on something here. I don't know. You know, maybe I should kind of revisit this. So I, I reached out to my buddy Paul and I said, Paul, hey, I know you were keeping those bees. And, you know, these guys that we're working with over here now, you know, everybody seems to have these hives. And maybe this is something I should look at. So he hands me the book, Beekeeping for Dummies. He says, look, you know, use this to kind of get yourself started. So I went home and uh, I started reading cover to cover. I went through the whole book. I started reading and, you know, I decided that I was going to order some packaged bees, which I'm going to cover that in, in greater detail in the next episode. So you don't worry, you're not going to not going to miss anything here. But I, you know, I went ahead, I placed my order for my bees. I started ordering pieces and parts for the, the hive protective gear all this stuff showed up at my house now the one thing i will tell you that paul suggested to me he says hey you probably want to join a bee club now i'm i'm one of those people right wrong or indifferent i i really like to be independent i don't like to have to depend on other people for things because i think part of it for me is you know you go and you, and you do something for somebody or you you, know, you ask a favor for somebody and it ends up being like uh, almost like you owe them something or, you know, like I, I just I prefer to be independent. I'd rather handle it on my own. Plus, I know that when I learn something myself and I go through the process and I, I do the, the research and the reading, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I value it more. I feel like I have a more in-depth understanding. I don't know. Like I said, right, wrong or indifferent. That's kind of the way that I am. So I did not join a club. The downside to that in my early years of beekeeping 
is that I wasted a lot of money. There are things that, you know, I was fortunate that I, I had a job in technology and I was, I was making good money, but I was kind of throwing some money away. And, and again, I will cover some of the mistakes I made and, and the issues that I had with the hives over the years. I will definitely talk about that. So that's, that's one thing I will tell you right now is if you are, are really serious and you want to get involved, even if you don't have hives, you don't even have to have hives today. Joining a bee club is a great thing. So I'm a member of the local club down here. It's dirt cheap. I think it's like 20 or $30 a year. With my membership in the bee club, I get a, um, a membership to the state Virginia Beekeepers Association. And, and there's, you know, publications that come with the membership. And there's, it, it's, it's, it's a really good idea. It'll save you some money too, which I had to learn the hard way. When I started in my first season, it was recommended to me to start with two hives, which I wholeheartedly agree with that approach. So I bought two packages of bees. They were shipped to my house. I got them installed up and running. And, you know, one of the real big advantages to having two is the, or, or more, is that you now have a basis of comparison. So when you look at one hive and you see, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30 bees coming in and out of the entrance per minute, and then you look to, at the hive to the right of it and you have 300 bees coming in and out per minute, like that's a significant difference, right? You can tell one hive has a lot more activity than the other what's going on. And, and we will, like I said, we will talk about these things in, in far greater detail as to what contributes to a successful hive, what differentiates, you know, success and failure or diminished success or however you want to define a hive that's not achieving to a standard. So in the next couple of years, uh, it, it wasn't really that different. I think I started with those first two hives. Midsummer, the first one died. They died out. I overwintered the, uh, the other hive. And then the next season, I think I bought two more, and I had three. And then I think I think it's been a while, but I think the first one, I had the same same thing. The original hive did not make it. I think that that year number two was when I discovered the wax moth. So that hive died out. And then of the two new hives, one of them did not make it to the fall. And then the other one was looking good going into the winter and then died in the winter. So I started out year three with no bees. So here I am, five packages of bees, right? So, and, you know, package bees have their, their place, and I'll talk about that some more. But, but that was kind of what I was in this cycle. And, and, you know, package bees for me have had about a 20% success rate um, back then. Now that I know a lot of different uh, tips and tricks and, and some of the things you need to do to help overwinter and, and all of that. It, it's definitely more like that 80% now, but again, it was a tough learning curve. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable in order to help keep the lights on. We do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there and I appreciate you. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. So now I, I want to talk about experience, and I think this is pretty important and, and relevant to you know, to whatever you're doing, right? So if you're in a hobby or you're in a profession, a career or whatever, it's been said, you know, many times before, I think I heard somebody say, you know, to truly be an expert in something, you have to have 10,000 hours of experience or something like that, or 20,000, whatever the number is. It's very different to say, I've been beekeeping for nine years. Well, if I've been keep beekeeping for nine years, and let's say that the first four years of those, I kept an average of five hives. So I'm managing five hives a year for four years. Okay, so you managed, let's say, 20 hives over those years, whether it's the same ones over and over again or different ones. It doesn't matter. You were not responsible for more than a total of 20 colonies. Compare that to maybe a high school kid who works at their grandparents' apiary over the summer and they spend six or seven hours a day doing hive inspections, right? I would rather take a high school junior or senior or someone who just graduated who's done that, you know, worked at the grandparents' apiary for the summer for a couple of years. I would much rather have them with one or two years of experience than someone who came to me and said, yeah, I kept four hives, you know, for 20 years. So it's not so much the years as much as it is the content and what you did. For me, I have a, a tremendous amount of, you know, kind of book smarts. When I first started, I read and read and read and watched videos. And, I mean, I was doing everything I could to be sort of a, a bee scholar, but I was not much of a practitioner. I hadn't had a lot of experience to the actual act of keeping bees. Now I'm at a point where I maintain about 50 hives. So to help understand kind of how different that is, when I first would do a hive inspection, I would take about, you know, a half hour, maybe even an hour to fully inspect a hive. I didn't necessarily know what I was doing or how I was supposed to do it. And everything was slow and methodical. Now I open up a hive. I usually know within about 30 seconds what the status of that hive is. Occasionally I'll pull out a few frames and and I, I take that back. I will always pull out a couple of frames. But, I mean, even if I do, I may be on a, if it's a like a double stack nuke with, you know, eight frames, I'll pull the top hive body off, look underneath, take a quick check of it, maybe pull a couple of the frames out of the, where the brood, the brood chamber would be, put them back. And I'm gone in less than five minutes, usually three or four minutes. And I move on to the next one. So as an example, you know, recently I was listening to, uh, it was done via Zoom meeting because of the virus, but uh, the Virginia State Beekeepers Association has a monthly speaker session, and they had Dr. Uh, Maggie Cuvion from the Virginia Tech Department of Entomology. Uh, you know, her students over there are in, engaged in a, in a variety of research activities on a day-to-day basis on honeybees. So they're, you know, learning bee behavior and waggle dances and pollination and what types of flowers they prefer at what times of year. Those young people have a tremendous amount of experience because they're doing it every day, right? So that that's the whole thing I'm getting at with when somebody tells you I have X amount of years of experience. I would really say to focus on what they've done with those years of experience. I wanted to kind of get on to 
the next topic. So like I mentioned, you know, we have around 50 hives right now. Our goal is to push that to around probably 2 to 250 next year. And then uh, we'll be pushing to double that to hit about 500 by the summer of 22. That's, that's kind of the goal right now. Like I mentioned earlier that the forage here in this area is not particularly great. I mean, there's a lot of water around, a lot of concrete. Um, it's pretty suburban, you know, where we are. So it's it's tricky, right? It's tough because there is a big dearth that takes place from like early to mid-June to about, you know, mid-August. And when I say a dearth, I'm talking like a period where there's just no good forage. And, you know, the bees, they're pre- they're starting to prepare for winter in the spring, Right in the spring, when they come out of the winter hibernation, if you will, that you know they're packing away honey and or nectar that becomes honey in March, April, May, and that's what they're going to be eating the following December, January, February. And when you get into these long periods of dearth, like like we have here, it's it's pretty challenging for them because they end up having to dig into some of these resources a bit early. Now, typically for me, I will supplemental feed. I put feeders out in the yard and that gives them a source of some sugar that they can bring in and and they can store that but it's it's really challenging where i live so we have purchased some rural property and we are in the process uh, we've had that land cleared we're in the process of trying to get down there and get it dried out because the rain just has not seemed to stop this year this it, it the spring was wet we had that some kind of tropical storm like back in i think it was like april may i think it was Early May, we had some kind of tropical storm come through, so five days of rain. I mean, August has been ridiculous. Normally, it's really dry right now, and we've had, I think, almost every day last week it rained. I mean, it's just, it's a mess. So over the coming weeks here, we're going to be getting a, uh, a bear fence set up. I had actually taken a couple of hives down to this property uh, a few weeks back uh, just to get them out of the yard. I have too many of them at home. And they have been visited by a bear. So three of the four are lost. And um, I knew that there were bears in the area. I just didn't know that they would get there that quickly. And I figured these hives were relatively small and, and fairly new. They were kind of like a late season split. So I just didn't think they had enough nectar slash honey to entice the bear. And apparently I was wrong about that. So... I'll be down there in the next couple weeks building a bear fence, getting that all set up, getting the property fully prepped and ready to go, and uh, that ought to keep us keep us pretty busy. So, again, this was the the last you know intro slash who I am kind of uh, kind of podcast. Everything from here on out should be pretty much 100% dedicated to content. So uh, next week, episode two, we're going to talk about the, the history of honeybees. So, you know, how people first got into beekeeping and, and, you know, when that took place. You know, there are lots of different species of bees around the world. In the U.S. here, we primarily have, there are probably two or three more popular species. And then there's a couple other ones that are maybe gaining some popularity or that others are, are keeping particularly in different climates, you, know, you may not see some of those types in Florida or Georgia that you might see up around Minnesota, North Dakota, up in Maine, Vermont, things like that. So we'll talk about the different species that are common here to the U.S. Uh, I want to talk about the five traits of a colony, and these traits are majority, you know, 99% dictated by the queen. So we'll talk about how important the queen is in the colony. 
and uh, how she kind of dictates everything through genetics uh, as to the success or failure of that colony. So five traits, we will definitely talk about that. Uh, Another thing that's important, you heard me mention package bees a few times earlier. I will talk about the pros and cons of package bees versus nukes. Uh, When I say a nuke, it's a nucleus colony. So we'll go into all the details about what what makes that and and which one's going to make the most sense for you, given your situation. And then uh, the following episode, episode three, we're going to talk about uh, beekeeper protective equipment, you know, everything that you'll need to get the first hive or two up and running. When I read the the Beekeeping for Dummies book that I mentioned, there's a lot of things in there that are great to put in a textbook telling somebody that they need but I will tell you the things that you really do and really don't need. I'll go through all of that, and I'll tell you kind of my two cents and what I've had success with and maybe some failures in there as well. But, yeah, stands, bottom boards, high bodies. You know, we'll talk about shallows, mediums, deeps. We'll talk about frames, 8-frame, 10-frame, the Langstroth, you know, the, the actual type of hive. So we'll, we'll dig into all of that. As a reminder, we do have Phoebe, the Phoebe Keeper, next week. So we'll see what she has to say and see if she can share any exciting guidance or, or um, stories around her her years in beekeeping. And lastly, we are trying right now. There is a lot going on, like I mentioned, with, with work at the apiary and getting things set up. But uh, I want to make sure we get some kind of a platform set up that allows us to engage a little bit better. So um, we're working on getting a website going. I do not think that we're going to set up any kind of a blog. I feel like right now there's so many different, you know, blogs and, and, um, and ways to engage at a broader level that are in existence today. I don't think that I want to try and reinvent that wheel, but I do want to at least have some kind of a contact us form, you know, some level of being able to engage with people who are listening because I'm not really doing this for me. I'm doing this to hopefully enable a lot of people as they go down this you know, new beekeeping journey. And I want you to be able to reach out to me and say, Hey, I really have a problem in this one area. I promise you that if there is an area or a subject that you're struggling with, there are 10,000 other people that are having the exact same problem. So I want you to be able to reach out to me and say, Hey, next time, or in the next couple of weeks, I'd really love to hear about, you know, fill in the blank. Right. And that's, that's what's important to me because I want to, you know, pass on this, the, uh, the hobby. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed doing this and, um, and I'm hoping to keep doing it for many, many years. And, uh, I just want as many people involved as possible because, you know, it's not a multi-level marketing scheme, right? If I get you involved, I don't get paid for it. I don't make money on it, but if I get you involved, it can make a difference for our, for the pollinators, for the, you know, the fruits and vegetables and different things that we eat and, uh, and all the things we do. So, Thank you again for tuning in. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, we will look forward to talking to you again next week. Everybody enjoy the rest of the weekend. Try and stay dry. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.